Hello everyone, and welcome to Visalia Unified's Equity and Student Services Department. On this podcast, we will be talking with educators, support providers, and administrators on how they incorporate equity and SEL into today's educational system. All right. Hi, Michael. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Hey, Scott. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Hey, uh, what we got here is we got a little podcast that we do. We like to talk about equity and SEL. So to get us started, if you could just tell our listeners, you know, where you're from, uh, what's your position, where do you work, and then how long have you been in education? Hey, no problem. Well, let me say thank you for having me on your podcast. I've been looking forward to this all week. Um, this is cool. It's taking me outside of my regular, uh, my regular program here at Pinkham. Good deal. Um, so I was born here in Visalia at Kauia Delta Hospital. Uh, but my family uh, was from Arosi, and I lived in Arosi until I was about 11 years old. Um, that time, my family moved to Dinuba. Uh, I think it was the summer before my sixth grade year. And I lived in Dinuba until I graduated from high school, from Dinuba High School in 1997. And then I moved to San Luis Obispo to attend Cal Poly for undergrad. Um, and after graduating from Cal Poly in 2001, uh, with a BS in psychology, I moved back to the Valley and actually lived here in Visalia for a few years before moving back to the Bay Area, or moving to the Bay Area, I'm sorry, and attending UC Berkeley for grad school. Um, after getting my master's in education and um, my credential in school psychology, um, I worked for Palo Alto Unified School District for several years. Um, but before going any further, um, do your listeners know what a school psychologist does? You know, that would be really good. We've had a couple on, but they have never really gone into detail about what their role is. So if you take some time and do that, that'd be fantastic. Well, I'll keep it short. (laughs) Uh, A school psychologist, in a nutshell, uh, really does work to support students' ability to learn and teachers' ability to teach. Um, We are specialists with expertise in learning, behavior, mental health, and school systems. And if I look at my day, um, it's spent either conducting psychoeducational testing, uh, consulting with parents, teachers, or administrators, or providing behavioral or counseling support to students. So that's what school psychologists do. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that. That'll, I'm sure that'll clear up some confusion with some, some others out there that aren't quite sure. What's the difference between a teacher and a psychologist and a BIT? So, Got it. Perfect. Got it. Um, So kind of back to my background, prior to moving back here to the Valley, uh, my spouse Rocky and I moved to the East Coast so that he could attend business school at NYU. And during that time, I worked as a school psychologist for a public school district there, as well as I provided SEL and counseling support to two Catholic schools um, in New Jersey. And when my spouse graduated from NYU, we moved back to San Francisco for a few years. Before we bought a house um, out in Exeter in June 2019, um, to be closer to my family and enjoy like bucolic living out in the country. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. We're glad that you're back. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to be back. Sometimes um, people leave and they don't, they don't come back. So I, I do miss like really good sushi. That's one of the things that's been a little bit hard for me to overcome living here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not... other ethnic foods like Indian food um, and, and good Thai food. But I did find a good restaurant in town for Thai food. So that, well, that's been a win in my book. That's a start right there. Yeah. So what we're, um, uh, we're going to dive into a little bit here um, uh, is, is equity and SEL. And so I, I think you're in a really good position with, 
the job that you do and the people you come across as far as parents and admin and teachers. So you, you kind of run the gamut of everybody. Um, and mainly if you can just kind of talk about a little bit about the equity and SEL impact, maybe on your daily or weekly basis or routine. Okay. Um, so as a school psychologist, it's my job to ensure the protection of the educational rights and opportunities and well-being of all children on, on, on a campus that I'm assigned to, especially those whose voices have been muted, their identities obscured, or their needs haven't been met. And so kind of on the daily, there's like this deep vein of social justice embedded into the work that I do. For example, enacting social justice through culturally responsive professional practices and advocating to create schools and communities and systems that ensure equity and fairness for all the students at the school. Um, additionally, as a school psychologist, I'm constantly working at being aware of my own social identity and the identity of others, managing my own bias, being aware of the social norms of others and the nuances that exist in the space of intersectionality my ability to build relationships with people from different backgrounds and with different identities, and also making responsible choices to stop discrimination and inequities in schools. Um, this work is particularly important to me because I am a person of color, as well as a member of the LGBTQQIA community. Um, with regards to SEL, when it comes to the impact of mental health on academic outcomes, there's been a large body of research showing that developing social emotional competence is key to success in both school and life. Um, as a school psychologist, I constantly have the five areas of social emotional competence, right? Self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making kind of running in the background of my mind. Um, at Pinkham, during staff meetings, I've been taking about five minutes to do what we've coined a moment with Michael. And during this time, I lead our staff through a quick, through these quick adult SEL activities that I then encourage them to do with their students during their Zoom classes. Um, for example, I've, had, I've led my staff through a mindful activity where they were asked to do one daily task mindfully, whether it was drinking their morning coffee or tea mindfully by putting down their phone or paying attention to the flavor aroma, the temperature, the texture of their cup or shower, showering mindfully by observing the sensation of water falling on their skin, or even walking mindfully by listening to all the different sounds in their environment, uh, feeling the ground underneath their feet as they walk, and just looking for things that they've never noticed before. Um, these little activities um, have brought a little bit of calm and peace to our meetings. Um, but then, you know, I've also done some activities leading them through laughing yoga, and I don't know if you've, you've <laughs> done laughing yoga before. I haven't, but but Scott Kirchman had told me uh, he'd done that, and he was laughing. He says, "I." He told me I'd have to ask you about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so laughing yoga requires that we do some clapping, some breathing. There's childlike playfulness. Um, we do some laughter exercises, um, and I'm. It's hard to kind of give an example, um, kind of like. Uh, through kind of an audio format. It's much better if it was seen through a video format. But essentially what we do is we, we get silly. Um, and I think it reminds us that no matter how old we get, there's a lot of joy to be had in still being playful and playing with our, our friends and colleagues. You know, I have to agree with that. I was, I was talking to a, a colleague of mine that I've been, I've known for years and we were mm -hmm. just having a, just a general conversation. And, and I said, uh, I had asked him the question. I said, when was the last time you laughed in class? 
And, and he, he looked through the screen at me and he goes, what are you talking about? And in that moment, I realized, wow. And this, this conversation happened um, probably about two weeks ago. So we'd been in school for a while. And he's like, mm-hmm. what, are you, what are you talking about? Whereas before, you know, laughter was just part of everything. So I, I think that is something that you've touched on that I, I think is so important right now. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, you know, it's the antidote to a lot of things that people are, are going through. So with that, I mean, you gave some great examples and advice. Um, and I'm hoping others will follow your lead and, and do some playful things that just kind of, you know, bring it to life and, and get the blood flowing. So what advice would you give anybody in education, regardless of, of what their, their job is or what their title is or the fact that they're in education, what advice would you give them with regards to, to equity and SEL and some of the things you were talking about? Yeah, I think that it's important for us to be mindful of what we bring into our classrooms or during interactions or conversations with students or parents. Uh, we have to remember that we cannot assume that the framework in which we live our own lives is the best or most correct, because uh, you know, obviously that will create some kind of wedge between those and us from uh, diverse backgrounds. Uh, We also have to be mindful that our experience of an interaction may not be the same for the person on the other end. As educators, we come to the table with a certain amount of social capital and status that bestows upon us kind of a power advantage over students and parents. Um, It's important just not to give ourselves a pass because we view ourselves as good and helpful because students and particularly parents of color or those that have a language barrier can perceive schools as threatening despite our best intentions. Um, I also think it's important for us to remember uh, that as individuals with advanced educations, that we experience some advantages that flow to us and not to others based solely on our membership of being part of that educated group, right? That comes with more social capital and status. Um, But beyond that, you know, equity and SEL work doesn't have to happen overnight. It can be done incrementally and it's best achieved and sustained if done over time. Um, And if doing this type of work feels taxing or uncomfortable, it likely is a sign that you're doing it right, right? Um, (laughs) Learning a new framework to see and interact with the world and others is not easy. So don't be discouraged by perceived failures. Learn from them. And in order to be catalysts for change, we have to go through some form of transformation ourselves. And always know that while that transformational change is personal, it doesn't have to be done alone. That's such a good point to make. I, I, when you're saying that, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying and, and I'm internalizing it, thinking along the lines of, you know, what a great way to help build resilience. Um, and, I, and, and the comments that you make about going alone, I've always heard, if you want to go fast, go solo. If you want to go for a long time, go as a group. And, and I'm getting that feeling as I listen to what you say. It's like, you know, reach out, right. you know, take, take your time, rely on, and it's okay to fail. I mean, I, if I'm, Hearing you correctly, yes. it's okay to do that and to learn. So with that being said, it takes me, and I kind of jumped a little bit on the questions here, but and I wanted to get to that question first because the next I want to ask you is in, in your role and in your position, what impact do you see with distance learning as opposed to in-person learning with equity and, and SEO? Yes. Um, so before COVID-19 hit, there was already a sizable number of students at Pinkham struggling either academically, social, emotionally, or behaviorally. And then add into the mix the significant disruption and impact that COVID-19 has had on the way that we go about living our lives and how students attend school. And our number of struggling students has increased, okay? 
We have families whose primary home language is not English, and it's hard for them to access the, the communications that are being pushed out both at the site level and district level. We have families that don't have internet or are not uh, computer savvy. Uh, we have families whose work lives have been upended because children are now attending school from home and require supervision. And while these are just kind of a few things that I've seen, during my phone calls and Zoom meetings with families, it's clear that many, many of our students and their families are stressed and they're yeah. feeling really overwhelmed right now. Um, kind of this unfortunate byproduct of COVID is that our personal connection is being lost. I think it's easier right now for students to kind of fall between the cracks. Um, those classroom visits to touch base with students or teachers to problem solve in the moment um, require more orchestration uh, than when we were having school in person. And partnering with parents kind of face-to-face -face as part of the process of kind of addressing concerns related to their child um, is, has been taken out of the picture. So for me, it's like COVID-19 has made authentic collaboration more challenging. And despite our best intentions, accountability has become a slippery slope. Yeah. Um, I know that the equity and SEL work, I know that equity and SEL work is extremely important to the administration and teaching staff here at Pinkham. But with the changing landscape of schooling, you know, so drastically and over a short period of time due to COVID, um, I feel like many of us here at Pinkham are still transitioning out of that survival mode. Um, yeah. And while there is some equity in SEL work embedded in some of our classrooms, it's not embedded in all of our classrooms. And this isn't being done out of malice or purposeful neglect, but rather because like our students and families, many of our teachers and support staff are feeling stressed and overwhelmed themselves. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, it's just unique opportunities for everybody and, and barriers that have never been foreseen have to now be addressed. And right. so with that, it's kind of it's funny how you're answering these questions because it's 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 going right into what I'm going to lead into next. And so with what you just said, with the stress levels being up for parents and teachers and staff mm -hmm. and what uh, what do you do for self-care? And I'll, to answer that first, I'm going to ask, what do you personally do for self-care? And then what would you recommend others do? Well, I think my answer will maybe include um, some things that even other people can do. Like my self-care includes spending time with my spouse and dogs in the morning and after work, um, taking the road less traveled to and from work, mm. uh, taking an authentic lunch break every day, meaning, you know, getting away from the computer, sometimes sitting in my car, you know, watching my favorite episode of something on Netflix or uh, Amazon Prime, um, getting up out of my office and walking around uh, and making sure that I'm getting enough rest each night. Um, it's also been really important for me to be socially connected with my family and friends. So I try to squeeze those phone calls in or schedule Zoom happy hours in the evenings. Um, and I found that limiting my consumption of politically related news mm -hmm has reduced uh, my stress <laughs> level significantly. <laughs> I, I started to chuckle when you, la when you said that because I'm like, oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, very good. So now we're going to shift gears and do some final thoughts. And these are about you. Uh, at the current time, what book or article are you currently reading? So I've just started listening to the book, The Lost Art of Listening by Michael Nichols. Um, I chose this book because it's, I'm hoping it's going to help me develop my own self-awareness, social awareness, and relationship skills, right? Like, if I'm going to talk the talk, I've got to walk the walk. Right, right. And with that being said, do you have a favorite quote? Um, 
not so much a quote, but, you know, there's some lyrics from Bob, Bob Marley that helped me stay positive most of the time. And, you know, it's like, don't worry about a thing. Yes. Because every little thing is going to be all right. Oh, yes. Um, and when I find that those lyrics don't provide the lift that I need, then I turn to St. Barbara Streisand uh -huh. and then think of the lyrics of Happy Days Are Here Again. And those two combined tend to be a powerful combination for me. There you go. I, I'd have to agree <laughs> with you with the lyric thing. Sometimes lyrics are quotes, you know, because you can tie them and connect them. So fantastic. And then the last part is in this distance learning, we know everybody's on Zoom and we know that's, that's technology is a big thing. Is there a specific tool, program, or app that you go to is, is to help you with your job? Yeah. So I've been using, well, I've created a virtual office in Schoology where students, parents, and teachers, uh, really anyone from the VUSD community can connect with me for help or support. Um, my office is multifaceted in that it also highlights the district's competency of the month. I mean, there's uh, mental health resources there, a virtual calming room, and links to district resources. Um, I think the, the challenging thing is I don't think it's being utilized as much as I had envisioned. And so I've been trying to figure out, like, how do I continue to push it out even more? Right. Um, right. And hopefully, my fear is that once people catch on, we're going to be back into in-person, <laughs> but I'll continue to use it. You know? you know, it's one of those things we can do for stuff at night, you know, after right. they've been in person, say, hey, like, this is still up. It's still running. It's still good. So, well, Michael, we want to thank you for taking the time and, and enlightening us with, with a lot of the things that you have said. And, and in our short amount of time, there's a ton of information here. So I, I'm going to put some links in the podcast um, on to where to go, how to contact cool. you. Is the best way to contact you through your email? Yes. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes and then um, we'll put down the, your book and, and your recommendations. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we sign off? No, I just want to thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. And you know, if you ever want to chat again in the future, let me know. I will. I appreciate the offer. Thanks, Michael. All right, take care, Scott. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. We'd like to thank our guests for their time and input. If you would like more information about equity and SEL, please visit our website at sites.google.com backslash vusd.us backslash equity and student services department backslash home. Equity and student services department is all one word. And thank you again for joining us. May the rest of your week have many wins. Stay safe, take care of yourself and take care of each other.